0: I'll always be a winner and you'll always be a loser. This is what he said to me. Well, so that's that. No, that's not that. That's not that? No. Well, if that's not that, what is that? I got some plans. I got plans. What kind of plants? What's the difference? You don't want to tell me? I'm going to slip him a Mickey. <laughs> what, in his drink? Are you out of your mind? What are you, Peter Laurie? <laughs>
1: Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we're here to review episode 212. It is called The Revenge. I am Dando.
2: I am Guy. Very nice to be here. Dando, how are you feeling? Do you feel like you uh, you want to get payback against anyone or are you uh, are you feeling fairly uh, happy with the situation as it is?
1: Well, one thing's for certain, I don't want to get revenge on Larry David. I thought he did a fantastic job writing this episode. It was absolutely hilarious from start to finish. I'm Definitely left me feeling happy. And to be honest, it was a pretty good revenge story in the end, wasn't it? It was great how you sort of thought it was going to go down that cliche road of, ah, you know, he wanted George back in the end and George has fucked it up for himself. But no, the guy's a douchebag and George is like, drink up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny we were watching this episode. It reminded me of um, a tweet I saw the other day that really struck a chord with me that I just thought was, I don't know, it was like a little... Short story in 240 characters. I think someone was, um, yeah, this person just wrote, I once quit a job and when my boss asked why, I simply said, I hate it here. Best day of my life. (laughs) It's like, if you've ever had a shit job, you know, wouldn't you just love to say that to the boss when you're leaving? I mean, it's not like I'm I'm thinking about pursuing other opportunities or, uh, you know, I'm trying to get a better work-life balance. I hate it here. I hate this.
1: I would rather do anything else. (laughs) The boss would probably respect you so much more for saying that. Oh, God. (laughs) But the the whole, you know, quitting his job in this, man, basically he did hear what I guarantee you everybody watching this episode has wanted to do at least once in their life, right? Oh, absolutely.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we've all had to, um, at some stage, had to work with... um, Either a big boss or even a, a manager or someone along those lines. Mm. It's just like, how are you in charge of this situation? How are you in charge of me in this situation when you're clearly a substandard human being? You know, so. <laughs>
1: substandard human being. That yeah. happened a lot when I was at Ford. Uh, there wasn't any substandard human beings, but basically when I was at Ford, it was just a case of people who'd been there longer just seemed to be put into the positions if they sort of were brown noses. And like, I know that sounds ridiculous and cliche to say oh the ones that Brownos are the ones that got promotions but no i saw it firsthand and i'm just like there's no fucking way that this guy here is going to tell me what to do not fucking chance oh yeah
2: <laughs> so yes i think i think george speaks for um speaks for so many of us when he uh and it's a great start to the episode as well you know of course we, we open up with a bit of jerry stand-up but uh, it's a bit of a cold open where yeah george just bursts into this guy's office and it's obvious from the few uh, the few seconds that we see of, oh, what's the, what's the, the boss's Barr, name? Again? The boss, Rick Barr. Yeah, uh, his, well, his company's Rick Barr. He's Rick no. something. Is he Rick Latimer? Latimer.
1: Oh, Rick Latimer. Oh, okay. So, oh, so it's Rick. Em- yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah I know he's yeah. Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's obvious from the few seconds of the conversation this guy's having, the f- oh, this guy's an arsehole this guy is subpar so um, yeah for George to just rail against him just to sink the boots in, it's like oh what a great start and you know it's um <laughs> it's good George as well I mean it's I don't think it's often that George has the moral high ground
1: yeah and that's why like you said it was great they set it up with him being a slime bag on the phone first. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, <laughs> he's a hero to a to a uh,
2: one and all, George. When he's uh when he's doing that, and of, of course, <laughs> the cards don't really fall George's way as they as they ever do. So um, there's ups and downs throughout the whole episode, which we'll talk about, of course. But uh, yeah, no, a fantastic start.
1: Uh, Rick Leverton is his name, and played uh, by Fred Applegate. <laughs> that guy looks like a Fred Applegate, doesn't he? He does. He he looked. He's got one of those faces where I've just gone. I've seen you somewhere. I, I look up his Wikipedia page because I don't know. Mm. This is American actor and dancer. I oh, got to his name. Um, so he's done a lot on Broadway by the look of it. He's in the producers okay. and things like that. But I know. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, so he played Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. He does come across like a very like he if he wanted to be he could be flamboyant. You no. Know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he looks like a theatre guy more than
2: a more than a film guy, and I'm pretty sure that um, Seinfeld over his run would have, had a, would have had a lot of stage guys. I mean, as, as we've talked about on the show, Jason Alexander, his sort of main claim to fame prior to Seinfeld was he was a Broadway guy. He was a Broadway
1: song and dance man and actor. Mm-hmm. And I think with uh, Fred Applegate, even though this is just like a, a one-and-done role, he may appear later on, but just like a one-and-done role, it's, it is a one-and-done, actually, his facial expressions, his delivery... He was just spot on. I really in particular love the is that stanza over there? Mm. I love the way he just sort of the way he's the way he didn't he was discussing like what he wanted about the party and then he just stopped, looked at his coworker, and the look on his face is just disbelief, it uh utter smack, He's just like Is that Costanza? I thought, man, this guy's a this guy's a really great addition to the show. I wish he was in it more often. He's really funny.
2: Yeah, yeah, but he also really conveyed that whole Dirtbag. <laughs> big big fish in a small pond kind of deal, you know, sort of uh, lording over his little empire. But you get the feeling if he was in a better real estate company or something like that, it'd be like, oh, God, this guy would be, this guy would top out at middle management. He's just, he's kind of shit. He's kind of crap. Mm.
1: <laughs> well, it was also great. So just little things where, you know, on the script, it would have said, you know, Rick says to George, that's why I'm here and you're there. But the mm. way he sort of went with his fingers, and you're over there, like pushing mm. him away. And I was like, this, is, this guy's fucking great. <laughs> Getting to the main cast. So I had, if you can't already tell, a lot of fun watching this episode. I thought it was really, really great. It's feeling more and more like Seinfeld as we go on. I know we say that almost every week now, but Kramer, I think, I think it's official. We can actually say he's actually Kramer now. This was the first time where we got proper physical comedy with no dialogue needed, and it Mm. was just so great. It was so funny. It's a a wonderful showcase for Michael Richards'
2: uh, skills as a physical comedian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think apparently the scene where he's putting cement into the washing machines, he's using actual cement. I mean, he wanted something really heavy to sort of work with. Now, you could either say, oh, well, you know, He realised he was limited as an actor, and he wanted to <laughs> use the actual stuff. No, I don't think that's the case at all. I think he was no, um- it's method acting. <laughs> I think it's just um, it yeah, it just really shows off his uh, his skills in that in that regard. But also, you know, just um, beyond that or alongside that, I mean, it's it's very good Kramer attitude. In this episode, we've seen it in in in, in previous episodes, particularly recent ones. But uh, yeah, I liked all the stuff. I, I loved all the stuff about the introduction of Newman, who we don't actually see here. But uh, you know, we're already getting already getting an indication of what that guy's like and what his relationship mm. with um, with Kramer is like. It's a good episode for all, everyone, really. I mean, I think uh- uh,
1: that's that's what I've got here. We've got like George at his neurotic best. We've got Elaine going against the stereotypical woman in a TV sitcom. You know, she's not afraid to flirt, she's proud of who she is, she's not ashamed of anything, she's out there, You know, she's talking about how she goes to nudist colonies and stuff, but no, she doesn't really, she's just having, like Julia's just having so much fun with the role. Mm. Elaine is everything that the usual female in a TV sitcom was not well, at this point in time. I think
2: it's, I think it's hilarious that um, she kind of has to think on her feet and up the ante when um, she <laughs> realises that, oh, I, I just can't rely on looking like Julia Louis-Dreyfus and doing even, you know, sort of subtle flirting with this guy. He's not necessarily taking the bait, so she really has to sort of put her foot to the floor and start talking about nudity and really just being this terrible, stereotypical kind of <laughs> flirt. Because, of course, it's what this Rick guy would go for. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really, really neat. I, I thought there was a lot of good work from Jerry in this, not only in a um, a comedic sort of way, the bits where it's him, and then it's him and and Julie Louis Dreyfus, sort of listening and offering advice to George about you know when he's sort of reeling off his potential various careers that he could do. He's a good scene partner in those particular ones, particularly the first one when um and it's a lovely sort of transition when um George just is he's high off the uh, off the whole quitting thing and that kind of stuff. Then he realizes what he's done, and there's that sort of transition <laughs> to the next scene, and it's a scene it's. It's something that I remembered. It's one of my favourite... Um, I think it's one of my favourite Seinfeld bits, actually. Just uh, him sort of looking... Not not even sort of devastated, but just like helpless and like... Helpless is the perfect word, yes. I like sports. I could do something Yeah, because I think <laughs> anyone who has ever been out of work or looking to change their employment status or anything like that has had that kind of conversation with friends where they're like, oh, you know, I really had... Hmm, I like this. Maybe I could do something yeah. in that, <laughs> you know. Or, or, hmm. I wonder if there's any openings in that. Or, yeah. But you need to have that. For, oh, yeah. I mean, I've I've had that conv- that kind of conversation where it's like, okay, well, I've got this amount of stuff under my belt, and you know, I did that in the past. Do you think this could apply to that? And often you've got a friend who's going, yeah, I think no. I think you might <laughs> I think you might need a different kind of qualification for that, or uh, I think you need a certain level of experience or i think you just need to be a different person to do that kind of job so yeah i, I re I, I love those things and i and look as good as jason alexander is in those scenes
1: i think jerry and uh and later julia louis-dreyfus are just as good one of my favorite moments in that entire little bit uh was when they're talking about being a sports broadcaster <laughs> and joe says they usually give that to ex-players and people in broadcasting and george's well that's not fair. <laughs> just the way he says it, that's just that's just a beautiful
2: that's really not fair. You know, it's yeah. it's so it's so <laughs> rational on his part. It's like Yeah. Oh, that's really not fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why should someone who's made a career out of <laughs> out of being in this particular sort of sporting field then have the opportunity to go talk about it? Uh, not fair. You know, it should be some guy who sits on the couch.
1: <laughs> who just quit his job without thinking it through, yeah. <laughs> I've sort of read here so that uh, this was the first episode to be written solely by Larry David. And particularly like that scene there, right? To me, it felt very Kerb-esque. It felt like they were just riffing to a point. I mean, I know mm. it was scripted, but long that, that was a really, one of, I think, the longest chunks of just back and forth that we've mm. had on the show to date where nothing was happening. It was just two guys having a conversation and it went for, I reckon, at least a good two minutes. But at no point during that two minutes did I think, oh, this is dragging. I thought it was just funny from start to finish. So I think Larry did a great job writing this
2: episode oh yeah look there's no fat on this at all you know it's a 23 minute episode and it just went like that as far as i'm concerned it did yeah it there's, really there's, did. Yeah, there's no fat on it. It, it it moves along nicely but uh nor do you feel sort of undernourished by it i mean it, it does what it needs to do uh with its two sort of main storylines and they feel very they feel very full they feel like um you know there's a there's a fair bit happening in them uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a very well-written sitcom episode.
1: You can tell they're starting to get into the mindset of, all right, all four characters have to have a purpose here mm. and they have to some way intertwine. Yeah. Because yeah. the last few episodes we've had, that, that's, that's sort of what the, the template they've been following And that becomes the Seinfeld template where four wacky stories that all somehow intertwine. And and by the end of it, it sort of felt like they were stretching it a bit thinner. You go, oh, really? That's how you're going to intertwine them? Okay, Mm. well, we'll just buy it because it's Seinfeld. But this here just felt really natural. It was really good. And as you mentioned earlier, the first appearance from Newman, who wasn't played by Wayne Knight in this, was actually played by Larry David. But I thought it was interesting for the syndication that actually got Wayne Knight to re-record the lines of him screaming So that it actually has a continuity.
2: They did, yes. Now, the the episode that I listened to, I'm listening to it. uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Larry
1: David doing it. Yeah, it was Larry David. Did you watch it on Stan?
2: Um,. I actually watched um, an episode that I found on the internet, let's say. <laughs> okay,
1: yes. Well, on stand it had Larry as well. You can really tell when it's Larry. I believe he made about 38 appearances on the show just doing the voices. He and did, whatnot, yeah.
2: Done. yeah. Something else I wanted to point out as well, and while we're talking about mm. sort of the combinations of various characters here, how you've got um, you've got George and you've got Elaine sort of interact, not interacting for the first time, but... Uh,
1: it was, the first, it was the first little like adventure they went on together. The first though. kind
2: of team-up that they have. And mm-hmm. uh, reportedly, I think Jason Alexander and Julie Louis, Louis-Dreyfus wanted, wanted to work together or wanted to sort of have some scenes together, and they found they had a really good chemistry, or at least that's something that Julia Louis-Dreyfus said in an interview. She, was, she really relished the scenes that they had together because they, they, she found they had a really good comic chemistry. And I think that's evident from the, uh, uh, from the scenes that they have in this.
1: Oh, straight away, as soon as they're bantering together, like, they're, I guess, I remember in my notes, I wrote something on the lines of, they come across like two people who are actually excited about what's about to happen. Oh, like, they're yeah. just they're, they're, they're like two kids about to rock a roof or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this was actually based on a real life uh, story from Larry David's life, where he decided he just was going to quit. Um, being part of the SNL team in the 84-85 season. He just stormed off and then his neighbour, uh, Kenny Kramer, who would inspire the character of Kramer, just told him, just, just, just go back. And he just went back and uh, didn't work out the same way it did with George. He actually did keep his job for the remainder of that season. So that's where that sort of comes from. And also the George using the toilet comes from the writer, uh, Larry Charles, who wrote last week's episode, uh, he decided he would like to use Seinfeld and Larry Davis' personal toilet and not the one for the rest of the staff. So that's where that little aspect came from it as well. But yes, just all in all, I had so much fun and I can't wait to delve into it. Before we do, we've got some trivia. We do.
0: Could you spell that, please? No. Next question.
1: Okay, kick
2: it off, Mr. Davis. What do you got for me? No worries. Okay, Dando, what time did
1: Newman call Kramer? <laughs> that's my first question, 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 3 a.m.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Damn it, I thought I was going to get you with that one Damn it <laughs> Alright, I'm going to start you off with an easy one Alright, an easy one mm-hmm. How much was in the washing? How much money? $1,500 Correct, amundo.
2: Alright, well a follow-up question to that Which you will probably get How much to repair the washing machine?
1: Ooh, fuck I wasn't paying attention at the end there Damn it, what was it? $1,200 <laughs> $1,200, okay Jerry's. <laughs> I mean, it's been established he must have a fair bit of money, Jerry.
2: To have more than a thousand bucks sort of lying around, and you—now have... <laughs> <laughs> I must—it is washing. I must admit, I'm—I'm—I <laughs> don't know where I got this. idea. I think I might have actually got this idea from a Stephen King book ages ago. There's a bit in it actually where I think it's Richie Tozier. You know the—I mm-hmm. um, know who Richie is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He talks about how unconsciously he keep he just puts a little bit of cash away every once in a while because his subconscious and maybe something to do with it is is telling him, Look, one day you're gonna have to you're gonna have to leave town and you're gonna wanna have some cash. So he's just he's putting up a little money aside, put a little money aside. And so he's got like maybe three grand in it in a safe or in a mm, little in a it's somewhere around that. the house that he can just grab at short notice. And for some reason that always stuck with me and I'm like, hmm. I know I've got this amount in the bank but I think I'd like to have a, a little stash of cash and not, not just a little set, but you know, a bit. So when I was, when we started doing the podcast and um, our very generous patrons started giving us a bit of money, I'm like, I think I'm going to take that money. I'm just going to, I'm going to put it somewhere safe in the house. So if I need cash, I've got it. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm dissing Jerry for like, what do you do with a thousand dollars' longer? rent? But well,
1: I actually sort of have that amount of rent here somewhere. But I'm not putting it in my laundry bag. What an idiot! <laughs> but it was just, the way he talks. is just like, oh yeah, I got fifteen hundred bucks the other night. I just put it in my back pocket and put it in my laundry bag. <laughs> just like, <laughs> it, it's not like. I mean, I would do exactly what Jerry did if I left twenty bucks in there. <laughs> like fifteen hundred dollars. Oh god, yeah. Like that's a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> My next question is as my final question. Or is it your, turn for, your um, turn for a question?
2: Oh, well, that's sort of art. No, I think I asked one. So it's your, I think it's your turn.
1: Where did Rick say that he went with the woman during the phone call at the beginning? Oh. Think about who storms in. Was it a lake? Lake. And who storms in? Oh, George. Lake George. Was it Lake George? Oh. Oh, that's very
2: clever.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Um, do, I have, do I have time for one more question? Go for it. Hit me. What do you got? Okay, then. Who does Rick Bar Real Estate share the bathroom with? Oh, does it start with P?
1: It does. Nah, I'm not going to get it. What is it? It's Pace Electronics. See, I don't have that issue, but I suppose we don't share a building at where, where I work, but I've never had to share toilets with another business. Have you ever been in a business that does that? Sort of. When I was
2: working for Forte... The, uh, the street paper here in Geelong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the first office that uh, that I worked in with them was above this um, Italian barbershop called Armando's. Is that the one in Ryrie Street? Yeah, corner of Ryrie Street and Union Street. Was Forte upstairs there? Forte I was upstairs. Was like a, I thought yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, a, a tattoo centre. <laughs> yeah, there's a tattoo parlour there now. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, but there was... Yeah, there was a uh, just a, a single bathroom up there. So um, yeah, it was sort of unisex before its time. But I don't think there was another business up there. But what there was was like a very small, I'm going to wager, unofficial Italian social club, which was basically uh, some old gentlemen from the from the Mediterranean era who basically just sat there and you know smoked cigarettes, drank coffee, and played cards all day and i think we and we had to share the bathroom with those gentlemen who were all very nice they were they were they were actually you know quite sweet gentlemen (laughs) hey how you doing hello
1: there (laughs) it was good times (laughs) this is is reminiscing with guy davis (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, guys we'll be right back with our review of the revenge if you're a fan of everything we do here at talking seinfeld i want to show some support You can do so by joining the Talking Seinfeld family on Patreon, where for as little as $1 per month, you can get access to a whole range of exclusive content, including bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community... Prize Draws, Zoom calls with Guy and myself, as well as early access to all the other shows we host here on the Four Finger Discount Network, including this, the one about friends, going down to South Park, Four Finger Discount, The Movie Guys, oh and let's not forget our Patreon exclusive series, Tales of Futurama. So go ahead and join the Talking Seinfeld family today at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Okay, the original air date of The Revenge was April 18th, 1991, written by Larry David, directed by Tom Sharonis. We kick off, as you said, with some stand-up from Jerry, uh, talking about criminals who cover up their face. But George's boss, Rick, he's on the phone, being an absolute dirtbag, talking about his trip. He, he really is a sleazebag. You know, caught it all on tape and things like that. I thought, oh, wow, yeah. this guy's a creep.
2: <laughs> come, I'm already inclined to like George anyway, but yeah, for George to come in and just let this guy have it's like... It justified.
0: <laughs> she was great. <laughs> you don't want to know. Hey, Brecky, remind me to tell you what we did in Lake George. Huh? <laughs> Get this. I got it all on video. <laughs> That's it. This is it. I'm done. Through. It's over. I'm gone. Finished. Over. I will never work for you again. Look at you. <laughs> you think you're an important man? Is that what you think? You are a laughingstock. You are a joke. These people are laughing at you. You're nothing. You have no brains, no ability, nothing. I quit.
1: Then Kramer enters Jerry's apartment and he talks about Newman threatening to kill himself. And you mentioned earlier that you wanted to discuss this, so take it away. Oh,
2: well, yeah. I mean, now, look, we talked a bit about, you, well, you mentioned just then about um, something that maybe would fly in 1991, but not so much now.
1: Kramer saying, I said, jump. That caught me off guard. Absolutely. Because look. I just, I, I do, if, That's another thing that you wouldn't hear a character say on TV anymore. But it was just so flippantly said. I said, jump. I was like. Oh, okay. And everyone's laughing. And I was like, okay. And that was funny and it's okay to laugh at it in 1991. So I'm going to laugh along with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was just part of the vernacular. So,
2: uh, I mean, as I've said in the past, there was a TV show called Just Shoot Me. Yeah, true. That was the saying, wasn't it? That's yeah. what you'd say. It's, uh, God, I'd rather kill myself than do this again or something along those well, lines.
1: There's a guy that I work with. I won't name his name. Mm-hmm. Every day he goes, he, he says he's going to kill himself every day, but not in a negative way. He just goes oh, man, if that happens, I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah. But he says it's such a passing comment. So it still happens today. Oh, yeah, but um, yeah, to be sort of
2: saying it about someone else the way Kramer does here, it's like, oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I think it works okay here, though, because deep down he never actually believes that Newman's going to follow through. The character of Kramer would never actually tell someone to kill themselves if he thought they were going to do it. That's the difference.
2: Yes, yeah. And I think it's also, it's all it does also a very good job of sort of... Establishing quite quickly that uh, what we know Newman is going to be in later episodes, or how he sort mm. of how he's going to shape up, and uh, I, I'd love the way that Kramer and and Michael Richards say, "Well, you know, why lie to the guy about how much he sucks?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I respect the guy for accomplishing something." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Seinfeld says he's going to the dry cleaner you know, fluff and fold Like he's, he's, I think this might have been Jerry's best performance I think so, there was a
2: lot of stuff in this episode that really sort of brought Seinfeld into focus for me, I mean, of course there have been episodes that we've talked about so far that I've rem- oh yeah, this is the bit where this happened but the whole bit that I talked about it like sports, I could do something in sports. It's something that I remembered really vividly and fluff and fold and it's a delight.
1: I thought, oh yeah, I remember. (laughs) Yeah, that's very Jerry. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I can remember watching this, Not, not, I wasn't watching it, but I remember being at my friend's Michael's house. He lives around the corner from my best friend when I was a kid and I can remember his parents watching Seinfeld And this being on the TV, that exact moment. So, as soon as that came on, it was just like all this nostalgia just came back. I was like, oh, my God, I'm at Michael Mead's house again when I'm like six. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's a very, very well-delivered line from Jerry. It's very, very good. Very Jerry. Mm. Uh, Kramer asked if he could take his washing with him. Do you think it's a big deal? Would you wash your clothes with your friends? Again, this is very Jerry. Yeah. I think this is very kind of
2: germ-phobic, a little sort of, you know, anal retentive. (laughs) Look, admittedly, if someone—and forgive me for being crude, listers. Karma. Forgive me for being crude, listers. But look, if someone had shit their pants and they, and they wanted to throw their their dirty undies, <laughs> their dirty shit smeared undies, in with my washing, I'd be like, I think you better take that to the laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I yeah. Then I would not want your guys interacting with my guys because
1: they might start they might start a very messy riot. It could well do.
2: <laughs> So, I mean, even though everything comes out of the washing machine, pretty pristine, usually. So, um, I think this is Jerry overreacting a bit. (laughs) Even if
1: it is Kramer, as you said. We're now at the laundromat, and Seinfeld doesn't want the machines to even be touching at all. (laughs) which Like you said, it's a bit over the top, but it's just very, very well-delivered and very, very funny. Very Jerry. Uh, George just appears out of nowhere, and it says on the wiki page that there was going to be a scene where Kramer tells George... That that uh, Seinfeld was at the laundromat, but mm. it didn't need it as it's no, procure, no. You know,
2: I must admit, I was thinking about that. It's like, yeah, how to get? Yeah, just it's just a neat little Kramer, Kramer set or something like. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: like, yeah that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> he tells Jerry that he quit because he got the memo uh, to use the men's room in the hall and not the the boss's private one. Yeah. But this is where he realizes that uh, he doesn't know what he's got to do, yeah. and we get that amazing cut, like you mentioned. To Jerry and George, pondering about what his next career may be. Mm-hmm. And it's just, would you say this is your favorite Seinfeld moment to date? Because it's certainly up there for me. I would say so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like sports. I could do something in sports. <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. In what capacity? <laughs> you know, like the general manager of a baseball team. Yeah, well, that that can be tough to get. Well, it doesn't even have to be the general manager. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. (laughs) that's really not fair i know well okay okay what else do you like movies i like to watch movies yeah yeah do they pay people to watch movies projectionists that's true but you gotta know how to work the projector right and it's probably a union thing Those unions. Okay, sports, movies. What about a talk show host? Talk show host, that's good. (laughs) I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. Someone even told me once they thought I'd be a good talk show host. Really? Yeah, a couple of people.
1: (laughs) Just straight off the bat, I could be a general manager of a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> and look, even the crowd, you could tell they laugh a little bit longer because they're like, that is just so ridiculous, but it's just mm. so funny. At least he aims high though. <laughs> when he mentioned here, do people get paid to watch movies? I immediately thought of you.
2: I must admit did, for a long I, time. I did think of myself as well, because I'm I'm very self absorbed in that way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the whole thing about the projections as well—it's probably a union
1: thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Even the suggestion to be a talk show host, because this is this is what's great. Because this gets used so often, all the time. Yeah, somebody told me once I make a good TV host. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like one person, two people. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so, someone told me once that I'd be good. Like that that well, one person who you've never met, you've never spoken to since. <laughs> well, I'll take you, their opinion suddenly matters. <laughs> I had this meeting today. This is
2: a little off track, but I mean, I had this. Uh, I was meeting with these, uh, this this uh, a person at a marketing firm here in Geelong, and uh, seeing about doing a bit of work with them. And you know, I had my game face on and. All that kind of stuff, and the game face involves the game voice, and you know, after a few minutes of conversation, he said, "You should do radio. You've got a very nice radio." I was oh. I said, "Well, thanks very much. It's nice of you to say. I'm going to do a bit of podcasting as well, and all that kind of stuff." Um, so, um, you hear that once or twice, and like, hmm, yeah, radio. Maybe I may- radio. Maybe I could do radio. <laughs> and you know, I at this stage. Well, first of all, I think I'd rather do podcasting. It's much more fun, Dando, and you know you get to, get to hang out with cool people like Brendan Dando, um, and it will be around in ten years' time. Oh yeah, and that's yeah, that's true. Pod, <laughs> Podcast will not be extinct, unlike a commercial radio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, you know, when yeah, you hear that, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe radio. I like radio. I like talking. Maybe I could do radio. <laughs> so yeah, it's always it's a very real thing when someone says, oh. You're, you're quite knowledgeable about that certain thing. Maybe you should be a college professor and whatever. Like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> All you need is that little bit of external validation from someone who probably has no idea what they're talking about. And I'm not talking about this lady today who, who said that. She was very sweet. And she was also right on the money. I do have a lovely voice and should do radio. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah, yeah just the fact that... Um, yeah, someone will occasionally say, like... "No, you." Yeah, you know, you'd be really good at that. How do you know?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how someone who you'll never see again for three years, you still value their opinion more than someone that you know. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that person, you know, that person three years ago told me I'd be good at radio. It's like, okay. And who were they? I don't remember their name, but they told me I'd be good at radio. <laughs> yeah.
2: Also, they weren't involved in radio in any way. <laughs> You know, no, they, not at all. Couldn't. No, yeah. It'd be nice. It was like I ran into Husey at a party, and hang on, I'm gonna, I was gonna about to try and do a Husey voice. I don't know if that would work. <laughs> Jeez, guy, you gotta, no, that's I can't do a Husey voice. Forget it.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's, it's, that sounds that,
2: real good. Why don't you come and be my co-host? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, Husey, I will. <laughs> so George realizes that uh, he could have made a huge mistake by quitting his job. So Joe just suggest, just go back and pretend it never happened. And it's just like, you know, this is perfect. You're an emotional person. People don't take you seriously. <laughs> I love the ambition of that idea. I and mean, it's a
2: great hook to sort of, uh, it's not necessarily even the hook that the episode hangs on, but it's a, it's a great sort of thing to have in the episode. Mm. It's wonderful that Kenny Kramer, that you,
1: who you mentioned earlier, just said, why
2: don't you just go back to work? Yeah, yeah. see, uh, what, I what's the it, worst it that could happen?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the worst they can say is leave again. So, you just go there and try it out. But just yeah. there, Georgia, I'm emotional. <laughs> 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 we then get some more stand-up about, and this is right on the money. When you're working an office job and you say hello to everyone in the morning, but then for the rest of the day, every time you see them, you have to acknowledge them in a different way, whether mm-hmm. it be raising the eyebrows or nicknames, Jimbo, and stuff yeah. like that. This happens to me on a daily basis. It's just like, <laughs> oh. It comes to the point where it's almost like when you go to the supermarket. You know when you see someone that you haven't seen for a long time in aisle three, the supermarket? And, and then all of then, a sudden, yeah. you're both in aisle five. And it's like, <laughs> oh, uh, hi, yeah, cool. <laughs> then aisle nine, oh, hey, it's it's uh, you again. Getting some getting some dog food, are you? Yeah, by the third aisle, you're kind of like, oh. You backtrack to avoid each other again. <laughs> you kind of do. Yeah, or at least keep your head down or you just sort of go, eh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, we're not doing this anymore. No, no it's over, Yeah. George then goes back to work, and I. so the person that played Glenda, she is uh, Patrika Darba, who's apparently had big roles on Bold and the Beautiful, I want to say. Let me look at that. Bold and the Beautiful, yeah, and Days of Our Lives. So she's a big soap star. Mm. I found her very annoying in this. Not as in, like, get off my TV, but imagine having to work with this woman. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, just the, uh, she's got the volume up a little too much.
2: Everything about her is just two degrees too much. Yeah. Whether it's the the hair color or the voice or yeah, just the 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 tone. Everything about is just slightly too much. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a good, very good performance in that regard.
0: Ava, what happened to you Friday afternoon? I got tied up. I will bet you did. everyone that the 10th anniversary party for Rick Bar Properties is going to be Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock, in Lasky's Barn, Madison 48th I want all of you to be there. This really means a lot to me. Is that Costanza over there? What are you doing here? What? Am I crazy, or didn't you quit? When? Friday. Oh, what? What that? Are you kidding? I didn't quit. Why? You took that seriously. You mean laughing stock, all that stuff? Come on. Will you stop it? No brains. No ability. Teasing! What? Okay. I want you out of here. I don't know where you're getting this from. You're serious, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> you see? You, just, you don't know my sense of humor. I mean, Dan, don't I joke around all the time? I wouldn't say all the time. You can't win. You can't beat me. That's why I'm here and you're there. Because I'm a winner. I'll always be a winner. And you'll always be a loser.
1: Applegate's performance here of the I'm better than you was Mm. just, ugh. you just want to punch the guy in the face, don't you? Oh, he's completely contemptible. Horrible person. Just the most hateable person. Look, what a villain. This guy is like the ultimate villain. <laughs> what I also liked about it was after that whole bit where he's like, I'm a winner, and I'll always be a winner, and you'll always be a loser. George doesn't say anything to him. He just pulls, Jason pulls a face, mm. and that's all that was needed. And it was just the perfect facial expression. It was so well acted. Oh, yeah. Then we're back at the laundromat and George is venting to Jerry and saying that he's got a plan. I'm going to slip him a Mickey. Now, and when he says slip him a Mickey, I was like, what is going on here? I was just like, like I mean, I, I'm not like offended or anything, but I was just like, that is like next level, George. You need to calm down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's jumped ahead
2: a few steps. Absolutely. One thing I'd like to point out, though, something I noticed at the, at the start of this scene. And I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense given that Jerry seems to be a bit of a clean freak. I mean, if he doesn't want to have Kramer's laundry mixed in with his, he's going to a fairly gross-looking
1: laundry service, I've got to say. I mean, it looks like it's in a dungeon. And when the guy who's running it looks pretty shifty and it's established that in in the next scene that he is very shifty, I probably wouldn't be taking my, my clothing there to be washed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and look, so we're moving on from that, but yes, yeah, so I think...
2: Jerry I don't know if he actually raises this point but it's a it, it is a very good one where would one get a mickey where would one get-
1: <laughs> that was one of my favorite things I've got a source I was like that is the best yes, <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's like when a movie
2: doesn't want to explain time travel or something you know it's mm-hmm. like um it's like in Looper when uh, you know someone starts to explain time travel and like you know the I think Bruce Willis says don't fucking start with time travel. We're going to be here all day making diagrams with straws. It's like, okay, yes. okay, let's, yeah. There's time travel. It exists. Likewise, just, in, just George knows how to get hold of a, of a sedative or, I mean, I'm assuming it's like, you know, like a roofie or something. Just a Mickey Finn. Just, We've talked yeah, about this yeah. on the, on Simpsons episodes. It's something
1: that knocks knocks the drinker out. That's That was the point of it. He, he knew apparently that this wasn't going to knock him out. It was just going to make him feel unwell. But Jerry's... You've really gone mental. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just, really funny. But yeah, like you said, George's got a source. Mentions that Elaine's going to uh, keep him distracted because she, uh, I mean, she knew that he cheated. But then, at first, I just went, "Doesn't recycle." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Oh, oh, now yeah. I get it. <laughs> so she's going to help because the guy's just an absolute dirtbag. Oh, yes. and as Joe says, the best revenge is living well. Oh, no yeah. chance of that. There's no chance of that. Yep. <laughs> that's lovely. Cramer then walks in and explains that Newman has actually jumped. And when he said it, did you hear like the murmur from the crowd? They're like, Oh, oh <laughs> well, that's not funny. I didn't expect that to come to, to happen. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think audiences even
2: though we're what, seven episodes into the second season, so we're twelve 12 episodes into the into the show's run?
1: Yes, twelve,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean I think audiences are still maybe coming to terms with like, oh, this
1: show can get a bit sort of <laughs> This can get a bit bleak. It doesn't follow the stereotype of what a sitcom usually is. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't pull its punches. Even the, he called me up, he said he's going to jump. What did you say to him? I said, wave, wave, wave to me when he passed the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How good was the response to that, though? Well, did he wave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, you watch Michael Richards acting and then after he says that, it almost makes me think that that was improv because Michael Richards like almost breaks character; he just starts starts laughing. You know, it's just, <laughs> it was very good. But then he says, "Yeah, he jumped from the second floor, so he was just faking it, laying on the ground, didn't actually hurt himself." And this is the moment Jerry realizes, "Oh shit! The fifteen hundred dollars that was in my laundry bag is now missing." So they go back down to the laundromat to collect it. And man, this this laundromat owner, what an asshole! I, I can sort. I, not that I
2: agree with his point but i can kind of see where he's coming from like, you know he's clearly someone who's established this little business it's not great it's kind of grimy looking and gross it's new york you got to be tough as well yeah and he, he clearly thinks that putting up a sign saying wash at your own risk or valuables will not be refunded or whatever so like, i'm the president and that's my constitution it's like okay yeah you've, you've set up your own little dictatorship here. fine
1: it's the james bond of laundry
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and kramer just says no nope, we cannot let, allow him to get away with this we're now at the party, and just just great chemistry immediately from uh, Jason and Julia, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right a yeah. yeah. George points him out, and th- th- I, I, what I just—I've got here my notes. It's just fun watching this scene because they just look like they're so pumped and excited to do, even though what they're doing is a horrible thing. I guess because they're doing it to a horrible person, it doesn't feel like it's as bad. And it's just they just look like they're they're so excited. I just I really really enjoyed it. It is,
2: and well, I, something that I think is. Um is quite funny about it is you look at Julia Louis Dreyfus, my crush on her is well documented and all that, but you'd think well, this is a woman who's she's beautiful, she's clearly intelligent, you'd think she would if not have the world at her feet, she'd at least have a bit going for her, but she seems sort of on the same level as George. she seems very simpatico with George, who doesn't have much going for him it's it's a it's an it's a really interesting. Relationship and chemistry Dynamic, they have as yeah. a result of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the laundromat, and this is where we get the concrete scene. It's such a beautiful diabolical idea. <laughs> oh,
0: it's so putting good. S- like, putting concrete oh. in the Oh, of
2: course. Oh, why wouldn't
1: you do that? <laughs> like Kramer, and the fact that Kramer is so excited for it. Like, I mean, basically, what they got here is just two. So you got Jerry and George getting back at somebody, and I'm not sorry, you got Jerry and Kramer getting back at somebody and George and Elaine getting back at somebody in two different situations. And they're all just so excited to be a part of it. It's just yeah. fantastic to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but Jerry has to keep him busy. I thought Jerry Jerry's acting in this was so good. Just blase. Just oh no- yeah, asking inane laundry questions, yeah. Yeah, it would have been so hard to keep a straight face in that moment with Michael Richards doing. It. Apparently, he fell through the door at one point and they had to re-film it. <laughs> but yeah, just Michael Richards, just at his best, finally being allowed to be Michael Richards. You know, mm. he's he's known for his physical physical comedy, and boy, did he deliver here. Just the, the, I think the fact that he was using real concrete just adds to it. Once you know that it's real concrete, it just makes it even that much funnier. Like the fact that he's yeah, yeah. covered in his actual concrete dust. But then the the, the, the bit at the end I was. A lot more in there than I thought it was going to be or something like that it's just so so good George then tells Elaine to go flirt with Rick so he can slip him there slip him the mickey she says it wasn't just easy to punch him in the mouth but not, that's that's not as not as fun you know I mean they'll probably get the same result but I want to do this you know so Elaine tries her best to get his attention I've got here not doing a very good job of flirting at first the the, with the snorting and the sneezing well, I think, yeah, I mean, well, she's she's
2: got to get in the door before she can, you know, she's got to get his attention before she can start going to work, so to speak. So, I mean, um, you think just being Julia Louis-Dreyfus next to this guy would be enough. Turns out it's not, so, you know, she has to sort of ramp things up a little bit for, and eventually, yeah, it, it becomes clear that the only way to get through to this guy is to just be completely blatant with your, um, you can't even be suggestive. You've just got to say,
1: like being naked. Yes. <laughs> I like to be naked all the time yeah. <laughs> and immediately his face changes and she gets his attention Jaws asks Glenda for the seat I just go fuck she's so annoying she just screams at him so he leaves Elaine then starts listing all the different places she likes to be naked
0: I cook naked I cook naked. Drive naked. Naked, naked, naked. Who are you? Oh, you don't want to know, mister. I'm trouble.
1: <laughs> Who are you? Oh, mister, I- I'm trouble, mister. Oh, I'm trouble. <laughs> it, <just laughs> is, it is so, so great there from Julia. Cramer is then pouring the cement, the concrete, into the, uh, into the washing machine. And Joey has to distract him at, at the same time. It's just so, so funny. We cut back to George. Saying to Glenda, "You got the count of three. If you don't get out of that seat, the wig's coming off." I'm
0: gonna count the three. If you don't give up the chair, the wig is coming off. I don't wear a wig.
1: One. This is the thing. I think is this the first time we've had George doing the wrong thing, essentially, not by slipping the drugs, but you're still rooting for him and him. Getting what he wants in the end. I mean, he does lose his job, but he's probably gonna be better off for it in the end for losing his job because he doesn't like being there. Yeah. And no one treats him well. But like, he gets back at him and I'm just like, yeah, go go, George. <laughs> <laughs> the Glenda chick was treating him shit. So he fucking, he, he, he called her bluff and she got out of the way. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah you, you go for it,
2: George. Oh, look, in a perfect world, you, will, you really wouldn't be sort of cheering for George here. He's doing all the oh. wrong things. Yes. <laughs> but uh, he's doing the wrong things against worse people. So... Yeah, I think uh, in the in the scheme of things, in the whole sort of
1: karmic universe, it balances out. Then we have Julia. Sometimes I just like to have a few drinks and just let the guy do whatever he wants. So I was like, goodness gracious me! <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, you,
2: there, there's no being subtle with Rick. I mean, yeah, he, he, you, you clearly have to sort of get on his level if you're going to if you're going to um, appeal to him in any way. So yeah, you you can't show any finesse whatsoever. You've just got to
1: be. Yeah, naked and down and for anything she has got Rick on such a high that he sees George and oh it's my old mate hey I admit I've been rough to you he invites him back and this is where you think ah oh, so it's gone down that route you know after all this he didn't have to do it in the end blah 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 Rick proposes a toast and at this point in time George is like don't, don't do not don't it don't do it don't do it and then he calls him a shrimpy friend and uh. gives him some shit George anything to add drink up, drink up. it was just mm-hmm. it was such a great way to end that that scene I really really enjoyed it we're then back at Joe's apartment and once again, George listing various careers that he can take because he's obviously lost his job. Yeah. But The thing is though, how would Rick had ever realised that he slipped in the mickey? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But it doesn't matter. It
2: doesn't matter. It doesn't really it's, it's
1: matter because it ends. It, it just ends the episode so nicely. Yes, yeah, so Kramer walks in with the money because it was in his laundry. Eesh. Newman's on the roof again. Jerry realises he's going to have to go pay for the, the washing machine. He it, it didn't have to, but the character of Jerry would do it because I don't think he likes to... He wouldn't like that playing on his mind. That's, that's, that's just, it suits the Jerry character to want to go and... Yeah, um, I, Whether pay, it's, pay it's out pay. any sense of innate
2: goodness or just a feeling that the universe might get back at him one way or another... Yeah, I think he, he realises, ah, oh, I've got to get uh, my karma and balance here, so I might as well, t- I'll, I'll just pay this guy off. Yes. Because if I don't, it's going to come back and
1: bite me in the ass, probably threefold. So yeah, let's just nip this in the bud, get it done. Ends with uh, George, he's got no job. Cameron and Newman sort of bantering back and forth. They're still got that love and hate relationship going, and Jerry and Elaine have gone to pay for the washing machine, so all's um, all's well in the end. <laughs> I think I'm going to say, I think this was my favourite sign for the episode to date. I think this was the most fleshed out... Well written, pull no punches episode, every character just had something to do that meant something and they they were really true to their character as well. They really sort of um, focus on the the positives of each character. I just thought it was not perfect, but um, it's the closest to perfect that we've had so far oh yeah look we've
2: said in previous episodes of Talking Seinfeld we can feel it becoming more and more Seinfeld as it goes it's definitely found its feet here it's very very confident it's very aware of its own voice and I think it's aware too that that voice is a good one a very distinctive individual and funny voice it's a show that knows what it's about at this stage 100%.
1: Alrighty, well, next week we are going to be reviewing an episode called The Heart Attack. It's a very, 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 very funny episode. I know you're going to absolutely love some particular scenes in that one. Um, But thank you guys for tuning in to Talking Seinfeld. Hope you've enjoyed our review of The Revenge. Don't forget to send in your questions to talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. If you want this show early, you just be a four-figure discount patron at patreon.com slash four-figure discount. Check the link in the description of this podcast. Also, please continue to rate and review us on the iTunes Store. Uh, We've had a few people already give us five-star reviews. We thank you so much for taking the time to do so. If you haven't yet, it only takes a few moments. Give us five stars and leave a review, letting everyone know what you love about the show. But just just, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate all of your support. And uh, Mr. Davis, any final words for our amazing listeners?
2: I like podcasting. Maybe we could do something in podcasting.